Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today with Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Once the moment happens, great players become legends. I can't believe that we have won a championship. This moment might not ever come again. It's all about love. The love of the game and making something last for eternity. The Miami Heat's improbable postseason run continues. Nobody's satisfied. We haven't done anything. We don't play just to win the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's an amazing feeling, you know, just because the first time in Nuggets history, I never been there. We're gonna go there, try to uh, try to fight and win, win every game. It all comes down to this: what every player hopes for every season. were two and that's despite the odds being stacked against them once again the Miami Heat are just the second eight seed to make it to the biggest stage in the NBA and square off against the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals welcome to NBA today Richard Jefferson Kendrick Perkins Malika Andrews here so before we look ahead at the NBA Finals which by the way, I, I can't wait for that. I, you, you think we need to take a look back at how we got here last night. A lot of action. I did not see this coming, my friends. This is not what we expected. The Heat, they scorched the Celtics last night in Game 7 in Boston. And here is how it went down. We're going to pick this one up, Richard. First possession for the Celtics because watch Jason Tatum here. He drives. And then when he lands, he comes down on his ankle, and he just wasn't right the rest of the game. He wasn't right, and, and unfortunately, he didn't get a ton of help. Like, this is part of those things when you leave yourself for zero room for error. But look, them missing their first, what, 12, 13 threes last night, that wasn't all Jason Tatum. Just the Celtics didn't have the right approach. Yeah, and he's a little hobbled on the screen there. You can see it. And Tatum said he doesn't want any, any excuses. He doesn't want to make any excuses for their performance last night. But you can just see that he wasn't quite right. And then the Heat... Caleb Martin was on Big Perk. Absolutely. The second best player on the Heat, in my opinion, the best player in this Eastern Conference Finals. Look, when you talk about creating on himself, this is a guy that has the ultimate confidence right now. And then they just kept building. Every time you thought that the Celtics were kind of going to crack back into this one, they just closed close the gap. It, like, Caleb Martin was so, even Kevin Love's part. Caleb, Caleb Martin, to me, has been the most impressive player that we weren't expecting in the postseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By far. You go down the teams. I don't care if it was you played one round, two rounds, three rounds. Caleb Martin has been the story of the postseason for a non-superstar. Duncan Robinson telling the crowd in TD Garden, let me hear it. Another thing that I didn't have on my bingo card was Jalen Brown having eight turnover, er, turnovers in this one. Jimmy Butler named the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Let's take a listen to Eric Spolstra after the game. 
I think a lot of people can relate to this team because uh, you know sometimes you have to suffer, you know, for the things that you really want. Uh, and this group has shown fortitude uh, when there are inevitable letdowns uh, and failures. But uh, to have that perseverance to pick yourself up, have that collective spirit to keep on forging ahead until uh, until you get to accomplish what you want to. I just know why Coach Pat and Coach Spo wanted me to be here, and that's to compete at a high level and to win championships. Um, I know that the group that they put around me at all times is going to give me an opportunity to do so. So I, I was always very, very confident in that. So get you a friend like Richard Jefferson who helps pick up the mic pack when we drop it. So I'll give that back to Kendrick Perkins. But this is kind of wild to think about, Richard. The Heat were on the brink of elimination in the play-in tournament. Yes. And now here they are in the NBA Finals. What to you, what stood out? Well, to me, as one of the few people that never doubted the Miami Heat, I, I, I just <laughs> feel like, again, this, it's Heat culture. And, and I don't... We say it over and over and over again. When we say heat culture, we don't mean their practice or their workout. They just have a level of determination that whether things are good, whether things are bad, whether they're the two seed, whether they're the eight seed, their approach does not change. And look, I played with Alonzo Mourning. I competed against Alonzo Mourning. He embodies everything that you expect from heat culture. D-Wade, Jimmy Butler. There's a list of guys that are like, this is how we're going to play. I don't care if it's game one of the season, if it's the play in, if it's the first round of the finals. They just have a determination that is very, very tough to break. What are we lacking in our country, Malika, RJ? Where do I start? Well, I'll tell you, leadership, not the Miami Heat. They actually got great leadership. And when I think about how they got to this point, without their third best player in Tyler Hero, mm. uh, Victor Oladipo going down, and all of a sudden you get to a game six, okay? You get to a game six where Derek White hits a tip in, and all of a sudden it could demoralize and deflate your whole locker room. But when you look at the leadership from Eric Spolcher, who's the best coach in the game, who said, we can't wait. We can't wait for this game, meaning we wanted to play right now after game six. And then you look at UD, who they gave the Eastern Conference uh, Championship trophy to and well-deserved. But it's the others, right? Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love, both champions. Both got that leadership. So to have that mentality, to let go of game six and what happened at home and be able to jump on the plane and go into a hostile environment for a game seven for young guys like Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent, mm -hmm. uh, Max Struess was huge. And that's a credit to the great leadership all across the board that's with the Miami Heat. I love what Jimmy Butler said. It wasn't a surprise to us what Caleb Martin was able to do. And I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone any longer after what he was able to do in the Eastern Conference Finals. I do want to bring our senior writer, Zach Lowe, into this conversation. Can you explain, Zach, how exactly Miami was able to pull this all off? Uh, no, no, I can't. It's almost inexplicable to go from almost losing in the play-in tournament to the finals, but damn it, they did it. And two things stand out. Number one, their shot making. Their guys just made shots. They made more shots than the other guys they played. And I thought the most important stretch of game seven was the first four minutes of the second quarter when Jimmy Butler got a nice long rest. Duncan Robinson hit a three. 
Gabe Vincent hit a three. Kyle Lowry hit a three. Haywood Highsmith got a pick six. And suddenly, Ooh. everyone else on the Heat but Jimmy Butler had expanded the lead from seven to 15. And I don't think it got closer than seven again the rest of the way. Every single Celtic mistake, every little error on defense, the Heat just punched right through the door with three after three after three. And then the other thing is kind of what Perk said. We've seen all these other teams in the East wobble a little bit when things get tight. Oh, here go the Celtics again, kind of losing the plot on offense in the last five minutes of a close game and then laying down in game three in Miami. Uh-oh, the lights are bright and the Bucks suddenly can't get over, can't get out of their own way mm. in the fourth quarter. Uh-oh, the Sixers lose game six at home and boy, all the hope gets drained out of them and they just get rolled in game seven in Boston. You know who never wobbled, never quaked, never wavered, never let a demoralizing defeat demoralize them the next game? The Miami Heat. They just keep on playing. They don't change their identity. They don't get rattled. None of that. They just keep playing. And sometimes that's enough. And so far, it's been enough. Well, Zach, you know who else don't get rattled? And you know who else don't change their identity? Me. And I spied something last night. Yesterday. I'm Kendrick Perkins, better known as Big Perk. And nothing gets past me. Freeze! Just when you thought it did get past me, there I am. I spy a problem. I spy it all. Carry the hell on. Is this you? Is this you? Was this you yesterday? How are Jay? Roller tape. Roller tape. Was this you yesterday? I look good. Was, no, but was, America, was America, you, you can you, thank me later. Did you I look have good. the audacity to have four buttons open on your damn shirt, them damn sunglasses and that crown, because you took a victory lap before game seven was Ooh. even played last night and thought that you won. Look, like, you were actually feeling yourself. You were feeling yourself. I look Forget good. that you put on the crown. I don't even care about that. The fact that you went stole my eye glasses and the fact that I would never wear these damn things again ever in life, I would never put these on again because you put them on your crusty face. Okay. But then you came on here and guaranteed a victory and took a victory lap, and you know better. All right. And, and, and look, look, wait, 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 wait. Stay up here, Perk. And since Miami did win, like, look, am I the dark-skinned pit bull? Maybe, right? Do I look that good? Yes. And so I think we have somebody else that has some receipts also, Big Perk. Bring in my guy. What's up, little rat? Oh. <laughs> What's up? I picked Miami to win. Yes, you did. But I was right. I said Miami is my East pick. And I said it, and it's for you too, Richard. Look, look at this. My shirt is open. Oh yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> Give it to the people. <laughs> uh, let me say this. I'm so because I was nervous. I'm like, man, I picked Miami. If they lose this game after like being up 3-0, I'm gonna look crazy. But they didn't because Jimmy Buck is Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Clutch. He's Jimmy the man. He's Jimmy the best. Yeah. He's yeah. Jimmy the everything. Okay. And I'm sorry. I'm Perk and Richard, both of y'all. I'm sorry. Well, well, well Lorel, it's not hard for you to look crazy on a normal day anyway. Well, right? well, well, but, 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 real, but, 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 but
but wait, wait a second. Hey, Rel, hey, Rel, since, you know, Perk wants to bring up receipts, as, as Mr. Worldwide would say himself, can we roll them receipts? Can we roll some? Who did Perk pick? Who did Perk pick? Does that say the Celtics? I see Malika picked the Celtics. Perk and, picked the Celtics. And I and said, Zach picked and the Celtics. I said, and I said I was not confident in the pick. But you, I didn't rant about it. I said, I, I said it in a calm voice. You went on a whole wide, like, victory lap about you actually being right and shocking the world like you haven't been wrong this entire postseason. You lied to the people. I've never lied. Yeah, you don't look did. this good in life. Right, wait, Rel, stop, man. I don't need, I don't need you chirping. Yeah, you I don't did. need Rel chirping. Well, Rel, you thank did. you so much for taking your victory lap with us here on NBA Today. Yes. Coming up on our show, we do need to dive into Boston's <laughs> side of all of this because the Celtics' historic comeback run, it just failed. It came a little bit short. Bobby Marks is going to join us with what's next for Boston's offseason outlook. Plus, will the heat set fire in Denver or will the mile-high city cool down the Eastern Conference champ? Who will be wearing the crown at the end is not me. Our panel weighs in. (laughs) And then we also have the finals matchup set. We're going to discuss that on the other side of the break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We still don't care what none of y'all think. We never have. We never will. Just the second eight seed ever to make the NBA Finals. We get to enjoy this, and then it's time to lock in on the Nuggets. Denver makes history. The Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. You know, we're going to keep making history. That's the thing. We got four more wins to go. Jamal Murray, red hot. Jokic. Oh, it's good. Of course it goes in. Oh, he is a monster in the playoffs. Wait, they thought that was the answer. This is where all the best players show up and they show out. I know what we're capable of. I like our chances. So this year's NBA Finals matchup, it's an underdog story that's been flipped on its head because the favorites, they're the top-seeded Denver Nuggets, but they're not exactly your typical Goliath. It's the franchise's first ever time making the NBA Finals. In their 46 seasons, 94 playoff wins, both the most in NBA history prior to making the Finals. And then playing the role of David in this series, we have the Miami Heat. Despite coming off their third Eastern Conference Finals in the last four years, the Heat are just the second eighth seed to reach the NBA Finals. They also had the longest title odds entering the playoffs of any team to do so since the merger. But in a way, 
I mean, the Heat, they're led by underdogs, right? University of Portland's finest, Eric Spolstra, he guided his team. He grinded from the tape room to his sixth career NBA Finals appearance. And by the way, that's a number that only three coaches in NBA history have eclipsed. And then there's Jimmy Butler. We all remember this from the finals in the bubble, but he continuously is overlooked, and yet he leaves it all out on the floor time and time again. So the Heat, they're going to have to beat the odds one more time to take home their fourth title in franchise history. They're currently the 3-1 to one underdogs. They've also lost nine of their last ten games against Denver, but the Nuggets, they aren't taking Miami lightly. We expect to hear from Michael Malone in just a little bit. I mentioned Jimmy. But that's not actually the matchup I want to dive into first. It is the battle of the big men. So, Perk, I'm going to start with you, our resident big man. Your first impressions of Bam versus Jokic. Well, after seeing, seeing Bam in this series, I'm concerned. Hmm. And, and, and we all should be. But For Bam not, or for Denver? Yep, yeah, for Bam. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, he obviously he has to play better. But I'm looking at the team. And I'm looking at Eric Spolster. And I'm, and I'm wondering what kind of defensive scheme is he going to try to come up with to actually just slow down Jokic and not leave Bam on the island by himself? By himself. And I'm also looking at K-Love. I'm, I'm looking to see if they could maybe stagger those minutes between him and Bam and give Bam rest because we don't know if he's going to get in foul trouble. You can't put a smaller guy on him. So, I mean, it's a tough cover. But, again, the Heat are here for a reason. Bam is all uh, is on the all-defensive team, one of the top defensive bigs in the game. I expect him to accept and take on the challenge. Zach, what do you think of this matchup? Yeah, this has been a tough cover for Bam over the last few years. Jokic is just so big and so strong and has been able to get to his spots pretty comfortably against Bam. And every time you send help toward him, he's just picking you apart. He's maybe the best zone buster in the entire NBA, and that's a plot that looms large in this series. Perk mentioned Kevin Love, and I do wonder, would the Heat start Kevin Love again, and would they even try Love on Jokic and have Bam on Aaron Gordon? Is that kind of rover? like the Lakers did. I don't think that's a great answer either, but that would let them put Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray a little bit. I think we're just going to see a lot of everything because the Heat, like everyone else in the league, just haven't found an answer to Jokic, and they don't have that big, long rim protector like Anthony Davis, like the Lakers did to put on Aaron Gordon and rove around. This is going to be a very complicated solve for Miami, and in the end, they may not have a great answer. It's going to have to make something work. Right, we just saw the, the stats on the Nuggets versus the zone, and this is something that we were talking about on the call earlier, because when you have three shooters like Denver does, and then you have Nikola Jokic, and then you have one of the best cutters in the league in Aaron Gore, I, I don't know the solution to that. The Rich. solution is you get to the NBA Finals. That's what happens, and, that, and that's what the Denver Nuggets have. The reason why the zone is less effective against uh, Denver is because Jokic in his big body, he, it, it, he sits at the free throw line. That's how you break a zone. You enter it into the paint, and then you kick out. So he does majority of his work at the free throw line now you got shooters around him and it's like if you try if you try and close that in the the Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray KCP Brown they they live and all five of their shooters they only need two or three of them to hit so they got they have a lot of room for error there on the flip side of that is if that you don't collapse the paint you're going to allow Jokic who can't be guarded in that close of space to play one-on-one against Bam or whoever else it's a very very difficult task and I'll say this 
as long as the Denver Nuggets have been healthy, they've been a top four team in this yeah. league. You saw it in the bubble. Then they obviously had the injuries to MPJ and, and um, Jamal Murray. Now they're healthy again. They've been the number one seed since December. Every team has tried to figure it out. You saw his numbers versus Miami. He averaged a triple-double on 67% shooting. So he's not worried. They're not stressed. And this is going to be Miami having to take down another Goliath if they're able to do it. That's Perk, you mentioned Bam maybe needing to step up a little bit in this mm -hmm. last series. I am curious offensively, though, if he's going to present any issues for Nikola Jokic. Well, I mean, he has no choice. I think he has to be that same. Not go out of character. I think when Bam try to get the ball on the post, that's a problem. I think when Bam is going into his dribble handoff actions and rolling to the basket or hurry up, catch swing, going set, pick and rolls, being a diver and being in that short mid-range area, that's when Bam is at his best. Throwing it down to him on the low box and say, hey, make a play, that's not who Bam is, and that's okay. But I believe that they're going to involve Jokic in as many pick and rolls as they possibly can. They're going to make sure that they attack downhill. And again, Denver hasn't seen a team like the Miami Heat. Hmm. We don't give the Miami Heat enough credit for all the misdirection and multiple actions that they run offensively, especially when Duncan Robinson is in the game. Yeah, I, I got no argument there. Again, even when you look at Bam Adebayo's numbers, 43%, 20, 20 points a game, those are solid numbers. Percentage could be a little bit higher, but you can see even in those matchups, and I, I will say this, Denver is exponentially better now than they were in December, than they were in January, than scary. they were in February. They are getting better. Why? Because Jamal Murray has gotten his legs underneath them. Jamal Murray is ready to go, and that's going to be a huge problem, but he's not the only perimeter guy they got. Zach? Yeah, they're going to have to put Jokic on that yo-yo like the Golden State Warriors put big men on. Like Jimmy Butler pick and roll. If Jokic wants to drop back on that, that's fine. He's in the paint. You kick it back to Bam, and Bam does the Draymond Green thing where he's handing it off to Robinson or Struess, and suddenly Jokic has to rush up and try mm. to snuff out a three-pointer. You get the four-on-three with Bam. Perk said misdirection. That's exactly it. Miami's going to just have to move it and move it and move it, and it might take three or four of those things before something cracks open. That's just the way the Heat are going to have to play. We're still more than 48 hours away from game one, so we're going to have plenty of time to dive further into these matchups, but we are running out of time to talk about the Boston Celtics. So still to come on our show, they fell short of their goal, but what's in store for Boston? Do not miss Kendrick Perkins' must-hear take on a disappointing end to the Celtics season. Plus, to the team that beat the Celtics in last year's finals. What's next for the Warriors now that Bob Myers is stepping down? Could it be the end of the Dubs dynasty? Adrian Wojnarowski has more, and it's been one hell of a ride for two superstars on both finals teams, but which playoff run has been more impressive? Has it been Jimmy's? Has it been Jokic's? Jokic's? Jokic I? Jokic's. Jokic. Whatever it is. Him and his three brothers are plural. It's the Jokic brothers. Jokic. Right. There we go. Please vote. We want to know what you at home think. Who has had the more impressive run? Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic. We will reveal your results at the end of the show. Richard, put your phone out. Could All right, sorry, it's my phone. It never goes away. Could it be Jokic-ness? Jokic-ness. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We fell. I fell. Oh, man. We let the, we let the whole city down. Tonight. And Boston is done. Can't go through life talking about what you could have and you should have done, right? You know, it happens and the past is the past. Every guy in the locker room, we want it as hard as it is. You know, we have to learn from this. But it's time right now. It's time to break up the duo. I do think this group potentially has reached its ceiling. We got punked. That's how Grant Williams summed up the Celtics losing Game 7 on their home floor last night, catapulting them into an offseason steeped with more questions than answers because this was supposed to be the year that they avenged their loss in the 2022 Finals, but instead, the quest for championship number 18 and that motto that has been embossed on their warm-ups all year long, it continues. Our Tim Bontemps has more. Tough day for Boston, tough day for the Celtics. It just wasn't our time. You know, everybody has the same goal. You know, try to win a championship. This Boston Celtics season was about unfinished business. As the playoffs began, the team unveiled the phrase as its official slogan. But after losing to the Miami Heat, that business, raising Banner 18 to the TD Garden rafters, remains unfinished. This is far from how Boston envisioned this season going. The Celtics entered it as one of the clear championship favorites, sporting arguably the league's deepest roster. Then, the Milwaukee Bucks, seen as Boston's biggest threat to getting out of the East once again, were stunned in the first round by the eighth-seeded Miami Heat. Suddenly, the path back to the finals was wide open. Until, of course, it wasn't as Jimmy Butler in the Heat sent Boston home for a second time in four seasons. I don't even know where to start. I feel like we let our fan base organization down, we let ourselves down. It's just embarrassing. The Celtics may be on their third coach in as many years, but the same issues, specifically a penchant for spiraling out of control late in games, continue to plague the franchise. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are supremely talented All-NBA players, but too many times were at the center of Boston losing focus and costing itself in high-pressure situations. A considerable contrast to Butler and the Heat. As a result, a season the Celtics hoped would end a 15-year championship drought instead concludes under a shroud of disappointment. There should be plenty of reasons for optimism. Tatum is one of the game's biggest and youngest stars. He and Brown form arguably the best two-way wing tandem in the NBA. And Boston has a roster behind them full of versatile talent. But, once again, a deep playoff run fell short of achieving this group's ultimate goal. So yes, Boston will get another chance to finish its business next season. But this was a massive missed opportunity.
Now the Celtics lost their eighth game of the playoffs as a favorite in Game 7, breaking a tie with the 2016 Warriors for most in the last 30 postseason. That's after Boston dropped seven games as a double-digit favorite in the regular season. That was a big conversation. That is tied for second most all-time. And that's interesting because you, you might know a little something about those 2016 uh, Warriors, Listen, but you want to team me? No, I'm joking. <laughs> We're not going to go there. We're going to bring in our NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks, because there's so many questions now that the Boston Celtics have to answer. Bobby, they, they fell short of their goal. So what to you is the number one thing they're going to have to look at this offseason? Well, the number one thing is going to be Jalen Brown here. As far as Supermax eligible starting July 1st, five years, $295 million. Ooh. They have up until October 23rd to extend them here. And I think the big picture is going to be, can you sustain two players? Players that are going to make in $600 million when you look mm. at, at Jason Tatum the following year. I think for the short term, yes. If I was in that Boston front office, I would extend Jalen Brown. Okay. And then I would pivot a year from now or two years from now if needed here. But when I look at their age and when I look at Jalen Brown on an expiring contract, I don't see him having that much value on an expiring compared to a player on a five-year extension. Remember, though, Brown cannot be ex uh, traded for a year after he signs that extension. But for me, it's basically bringing back this group. And, of course, you've got to figure out what happens with Grant Williams, who's also a restricted free agent. Mm. Okay, so that's the roster. Are there any questions outside of the personnel who are actually on the team, the players that you're looking at? Well, I, for me, it's really not the player. I, if I was in that Boston ownership group, I would have questions about Joe Missoula as far as from a coaching standpoint. And I know they signed him to that extension. He has another three years left. But I, when I look at Monty Williams, who's out there, Mike Budenholzer, who's out there, certainly Nick Nurse is not available right now. Doc Rivers. <coughs> Doc Rivers, as Perk said. Is there a veteran coach out there that maybe is an upgrade here? And, of course, Brad Stevens is going to make that call here. But for me, outside of the roster, that's kind of where my focus would be. How would you summarize, Perk, the 2022-23 season for Boston? A complete failure, a disappointment, a bust. Whoa. You want me to go any further? Yes. Yeah, I will. You know why? Here's the thing. To start the season, this was the team that was the favorite to win it all. They added Malcolm Brogdon. They had nothing missing for us winning the championship. And I'm disappointed in the city of Boston and the state of Massachusetts. They've been attacking me telling me I need my card revoked. No, it's time for me to revoke some of y'all cards, especially the fans, because I didn't know that the bar and the standard was almost making it there. The eight and a half years that I was in Boston, it was always called the city of champions. It was always championship or bust. Now all of a sudden, we almost made it. Keep them together. Maybe they, they got more time, they're young. Al Horford is not young. We don't know how many years Robert Williams got under him. He can't stay healthy. Is Marcus Smart going to be there long term for us with him, uh, him and his perimeter defense? How long is Malcolm Brogdon going to accept a lesser role of coming in off the bench? This was a bust, and I'm very, 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 very disappointed in the Celtic fan base on how they handled this season and handled a guy that helped deliver the championship there. Well, no, it's true. As Bobby outlined in his article on ESPN+, Plus, part of that compounded disappointment is that after Milwaukee lost in the first round, it sort of felt like everything was wide open. I want to bring Zach Lowe into the conversation. Where do you fall on this, Zach? 
Well, first of all, I need to know, is RJ threatened by Bobby Marks' hoodie? I didn't know anyone else was allowed to come on the show wearing a hoodie. RJ, are you okay with that? I, look, this is the thing. His family is here. <laughs> He obviously did not know that today is the first day that we get to talk about the NBA Finals. He had a kid throw up on him at Universal <laughs> Studios last night, projectile vomited. Blacko. So I'll just give him a pass because he drafted me. That's the only reason I get a pass. Fair enough, Zach. You want me to talk about the Celtics now? Yes, please. Enough projectile vomit. Okay, so Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they were within two wins of the championship last year. Do they complement each other as well as like the ideal pair of one-two stars? Shaq, Kobe, Kyrie, LeBron, Steph Durant? No, it's not an A, but it's a B. They complement each other decently. Probably not enough playmaking between them. It's not perfect, but it's good. The question is, is it good enough to just on their own have two guys get you halfway to that new second apron that's coming in. Halfway to what is almost going to be a hard cap in terms of what transactions you can do once you hit it. That is a lot of money in terms of percentage of the cap with a lot of restrictions, lack of flexibility on how you can build it out around them. And that's a hard question to answer in part because if you think Jalen Brown may not be part of your long-term future, Bobby mentioned one, two years down the line. Well, what's the alternative? It's easy to have a conversation about break up the Jays, break them up, but for, for what? What are, you, what are you getting in return? Because as long as you have Jason Tatum on the team, you are in win-now mode every season. You can't trade Jalen Brown for a prospect and three first-round picks and accept, expect Jason Tatum to be like, oh, great, we're going to take a step back for a couple years. It's a harder question than it is for people to just sort of talk about and think about. I think this, Jalen Brown paid that man his money. Pay the man his money. Every single dollar that he – because somebody will. If you pay him, it's – we saw Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's value was so high because he was under contract for multiple years. There will be so many teams lining up if they sign him to that extension this year and then they go through – let's say they lose in the conference finals again. There will be a lot of teams that would want a young superstar mm. in Jalen Brown, a potential franchise that maybe was like, hey, come, this can be your team. So – I think you sign it, you run it back. We've seen too many times in history where teams have struggled. It didn't matter if it was the Pistons, the Lakers, the Bulls. Every team has to struggle, and then they get over the hump. I, I would just be careful with roster building. It's like building a deck of cards. Once you pull that card, it all comes down here. And, and a two-seed can all of a sudden become the fifth or sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Well, and Jason Tatum said it's extremely important, that was his quote last night, to bring back Jalen Brown into the fold. But you said roster building. We need to talk about that a little bit more. Please do not go too far, Bobby, because still to come on NBA Today, Warriors president and general manager Bob Myers. He is stepping down. A huge domino here. Our Adrian Wojnarowski joins us with the Warriors' next steps. Plus, what do you think, Bobby? Who has had the more impressive playoff run? It's a, it's a hard choice. Is it Jimmy Butler or is it Nikola Jokic? Jokic is, I, I'm, it's for me, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Well, what do you at home think? Pull out your phone, scan the QR code, let us know, get your votes in, and we will reveal the results at the end of the show. Are you with Bobby or are you against him? NBA Today will be right back. I'm against <laughs> Bye.
Bob Myers, the architect of the Warriors dynasty roster, is stepping down as the franchise's president and general manager. That's what he told our Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, Myers helped Golden State win four championships during his tenure. He was named executive of the year twice. And now the Warriors find themselves at a crossroads. So for more, we're joined by senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, you spoke with Bob Myers. So how did he come to the decision that now was the right time to step away? And Malika, this is something Bob Myers has really been weighing uh, for most of the past year. We reported in uh, December that his contract was expiring, uh, that they had not agreed on a new contract. And listen, Bob Myers could have stayed in Golden State, been paid among uh, the highest executives in the NBA. I think ultimately he knows what goes into the job, how taxing it is. Certainly a lot of challenges ahead for the Warriors and ultimately could not get to a place where he thought he was ready to take all that on, invest all that needed to be invested uh, you know, over a long-term commitment to stay in Golden State. You know, he'll step away, you know, take some time to think about what might be next for him. Uh, but I think Bob Myers, you know, people sometimes with general managers, presidents, they look at the roster the players that were brought in. Bob Myers certainly can stand up against anybody with what he's done. But what separates Bob Myers, Malika, his ability to problem solve, his mm -hmm. ability to operate within the egos of coaches and star players and egos of ownership and keep everybody together, uh, keep groups together. Listen, they brought Kevin Durant in. Kevin Durant left. They won two titles. Uh, and that dynasty continued. They won another championship and I think that's what makes Bob Myers so unique in the landscape is the way he is respected I think at every level of the industry and if there is a time that he decides he wants back in this you know he will be as coveted as any sports executive not just in the NBA but we what we've seen I think in any North American professional sport uh, but for now he's going to step away uh, his contract expires at the end of the month and then you know, he'll address all of that at a news conference here at the top of the hour. Yeah, Myers is stepping away, though, Woj, at an interesting time because the Warriors have a lot of decisions to make this offseason. It includes the long-term futures of Clay Thompson, of Draymond Green, and that's not to, expen to mention an expensive luxury tax here. So who are the Warriors targeting to replace Myers and inherit those questions and decisions? Listen, this is an organization where the owner has a lot of voice, a lot of input, a lot of hands-on with Joe Lacob, uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr., who came into the front office a few years ago, Bob Myers brought him in. I think that, along with Joe Lacob's son, uh, Kirk Lacob, has a younger uh, Kirk has a younger brother, Kent. Who I think will take on more prominent roles. There's not an expectation Golden State's going to open this up to find perhaps a traditional GM from the outside that they'll try to. Uh, fill the void of Bob Myers from within. I think we'll a, lot, a lot will ride on uh, you know, Mike Dunleavy Jr., uh, how much he might want to take on in that role now, uh, perhaps as general manager. But there's a lot ahead for this Warriors team, not just the roster questions you just mentioned there, Malika, but Steve Kerr, their uh, coach, he's got a year left on his deal. You know, he said earlier this month or last month, you know, that he would allow this team to get through, you know, the difficult player decisions they have to make, uh, certainly Bob Myers' decision, uh, but Steve Kerr, who's certainly, you know, the other leadership anchor of this organization, I think his future will be the next uh, challenge for Joe Lacob and 
I think the loss of Bob Myers, very few players have the relationship that Steph Curry, uh, Draymond Green specifically, Klay Thompson have with Bob Myers. And um, those tend to be kind of transactional relationships between executives and players. And, and Bob Myers has navigated and made it, I think, something much more. So this is a profound loss uh, for this Warriors organization. And uh, certainly it leaves uh, the Lakeup family to now take on uh, the brunt of, of more leadership and, and maybe even more decision-making. Yeah, Woj, I think back to what Steve Kerr said, what Draymond Green said about Bob Myers in the wake of them being eliminated by the Lakers, but just how much he meant and means to them and their futures with this organization. Thank you so very much. Much more reporting on this from okay. Adrian Wojnarowski right now on ESPN.com. And speaking of Warriors, tonight we're going to have part one of the American Gladiators documentary. A different type of Warriors there. A little different type of Warriors there. It's going to be at 8.30 Eastern, continues the unprecedented look back at the iconic reality series, which matched oh. amateur contestants against professional gladiators. It was part of sports, part of game show, all American. This episode will be available on ESPN Plus immediately following the premiere. Have you voted yet, Perk? Yeah, Perk voting. I've been voting. Who do you think has a more <laughs> impressive playoff run? Jimmy Butler or Nikola Jokic? We want to know what you at home think. Scan the QR code. Let us know. We will reveal the results in a matter of minutes. So get your vote in now. Don't wait. I knew from the beginning that that's what I wanted to do. I'd get on my bike and just leave in the morning and come back at the end of the day after riding from gym to gym, from playground to playground. That was my life. I'd come home exhausted and have the transistor radio, have Chick Hearn calling the action, get up early and get going again. for 30, the luckiest guy in the world, a four-part series which details the life of NBA Hall of Famer and UCLA legend Bill Walton. The first two episodes, they debut on June 6th at 8 Eastern on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. All right, friends, it's time for putting in work presented to you by Upwork and Caleb Martin. My goodness, elevated his game to another level in the conference finals, cementing himself in the MVP discussion for the series. He played 45 minutes, dropped 26 points in Miami's Game 7 win. He shot 49% from three in the series, and only Jimmy Butler scored more points for the Heat. So Martin, he led a group of undrafted players that scored 52% of Miami's points in the Eastern Finals. That is by far the most in a series in the modern draft era. And before this postseason, undrafted players, they had never accounted for more than 36% of a team's points in a series. So here's Jimmy Butler with more on those guys. I just think, you know, the guys that Coach Spo and, and Coach Pat put together, when a guy goes down, the next guy could fill in that gap and do exactly what that guy that went down did um, and do it at a high level. And then, you know, be humble enough to know that when that guy comes back, you got to take a step back and get back in your role. And nobody ever complains. They always do exactly what you ask of them to do, which is why you want to play with guys like that, which is why they're the reason that we win so many games. I don't call them role players. I call them teammates. 
All right, if Jimmy's not going to call them role players, then we are not going to call them role players. But I do think it's fair to say that each of these teams, they have their stars. Jokic, Jamal Murray, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. So let's go outside of those four guys. Zach, to you, who is the most important player in these finals? I'm not sure if he counts because I had him on my all-star team this year, but I'm looking at Aaron Gordon in Denver. He'll probably be the primary defender on Jimmy Butler. That doesn't seem like too fun of a job, but he's as well-suited to it as anyone in the league. And then on offense, his cutting when the Heat plays zone, his open threes when the Heat ignore him. Will he make enough of them like he did in game four against the Lakers? Can he play a part? He's a pretty good post player in punishing some of the Heat small guards on offense just doing enough to keep Denver's scoring machine going so I'm looking at Aaron Gordon I, I don't even want to disrespect him right now because this is his moment and call him a non-star because he played like a star in the Eastern Conference Finals but I'm going with Caleb Martin um, this is not a one shining moment type thing he has been their second best player scoring wise consistently he has found his rhythm and if the Miami Heat want any chance of even being in this series or winning this series and winning the championship, he's going to have to continue to play at the level that he's playing at. And that's a high elite level to be able to match at least uh, Jamal Murray for us not going bucket for bucket, but having one of those good scoring series. Nah, the beautiful thing here is about being aligned. Like, I had Aaron Gordon, I had Caleb Martin, and then I was called, told on the call, both of them were already picked by these guys. And so this is where I wanted to go. I wanted to go with coaches. Hmm. I think the biggest non-stars will be coaching. When you're talking about Mike Malone, when you're talking about Eric Spolstra, in my opinion, part of the reason why the Heat are here in large part is because of the coaching. When you look at going against Tibb, going against Tibbs, when you look at going against Budenholzer in the first round, you could see multiple mistakes that were made on the coaching side. And Eric Spolstra outcoached them, including, in my opinion, outcoaching Joe Missoula, putting in that zone, coming up with different things. Even the fact that he had multiple guys go down. Tyler Hero goes down. Uh, Oladipo goes down. Figuring out your bench lineup. Who can I go to? Who can I count on? That is something that Eric Spolstra even though he's never won Coach of the Year, is one of the top two or three coaches in this league. So Mike Malone, while I believe he has the better team, Mike Malone is going to have his biggest coaching challenge on the other side that he has faced in this postseason. To me, this, this isn't about the points that he's going to score, the defensive matchup he's going to take on, but Udonis Haslam. I mean, he didn't step on the court during the conference finals, but his fingerprints, his toughness, they were all over this series. And we talk so much about the Heat's undrafted players. Well, I mean, he was the OG of that, right? 20 years after going undrafted, he's made seven NBA Finals appearances, and this is it, right? He told our Izzy Gutierrez earlier this year that he's no one's charity case. He won't be sticking around long enough, right? for anyone to, you know, say, oh yeah, he's just here because he's a charity case. I'm here as long as I can kick people's asses. That's what he had to say. Let's take a look at our poll. You can see the results there on the show, but Richard, this is who's ready to go. Brought to you by On The Rocks. Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, they are gearing up for the NBA Finals, both fresh off their conference finals MVP awards. That's gonna Let's do it for it. us. Let's we get have so it. much time to get into My this. Bad, My bad, UD.